Well, it's good to see all of you out tonight, and we're glad that you are here. Tonight we continue our walk through the Bible, and tonight's lesson we are again in the books of Moses, and uh, tonight uh, my goal is simply to get through Genesis, and, and then we'll deal with the other books later on. Uh, just to kind of refresh you on some of the things that, that we have already discussed, we look at this with an overview of, of 66 books. There are 66 books in the Bible. And these books begin with the books written by Moses. These books are books of law and history concerning God's people Israel. They span approximately 2,000 plus years. From somewhere around 4000 B.C. to 1406 B.C. These books span the time of the patriarchal age to the Mosaic age, beginning with the law. And as we look at these books, we recognize the highlights of them, and, and that's basically what we're doing. We're, we're hitting on many of the highlights. We're, we're not able to spend a great deal of time in each one. Um, but we're just hitting the, the main points. We look at, at these books and we find the creation of man. Noah and the flood. God's covenant with Abraham. Tonight we're going to deal with Joseph's rule in Egypt. And later on Moses' birth and the giving of the law. And how these affect Israel. And as we get beyond Genesis we'll, we'll probably move a little quicker. At least beyond Exodus anyway. Uh, and we'll, we'll summarize some of the things that, that we find in the other books. But our lesson objectives are, are just simply, actually one, to survey the first five books of the Bible, learning what we can from their contents. We remember that these are written for our learning. And as we look at these books, and as we look at the stories, and, and the things that, that are contained within, we find many lessons that we can learn and so that's our, our endeavor as we walk through the Bible. We have already begun the book of Genesis. So now we're about midway through. Uh, we're picking up tonight around Genesis chapter 29. If you would like to be turning there. We have already talked about uh, Jacob a little bit. We, we closed out our last lesson with Jacob and Esau and the conflict between brothers. And so, after all of these things, well, we'll get into the lesson. This is where Jacob meets Rachel. Because of Jacob's deception to inherit the blessing of Isaac, Esau wanted to kill his brother. And so we find, again, conflict between the two brothers. And because of this, Jacob is told by Rebekah, his mother, to go back to the homeland of her people. She didn't want him to go to anyone else and to take a, of wives from other nations. But she wanted him to go back to her people and take a wife from them. Her intention was that, that she would see him again, although uh, I believe as we're, we're looking at Scripture, we're not told that that ever happened. Uh, Jacob was able to see his father again, but uh, I don't believe that he, he was able to see his mother and so he goes to the homeland of her people. 
And while sitting at the well, we read in Genesis chapter 29 and beginning with verse 9. Genesis 29 and verse 9. Now while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. So she ran and told her father. Then it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. So he told Laban all these things, and Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. As we read further in Genesis 29, we find that Jacob is promised Rachel as his bride. Genesis 29, verse 15, Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate. But Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. I, I believe it may have been a year or two now that, that we studied some of the marriages of the Bible. And we studied Jacob and his marriage with uh, Rachel as well as his marriage with Leah, as we'll look at in a moment. And we see that there was, was conflict between the two, two brides. But Jacob had an endearing love for Rachel, and one that, that lasted until she passed away in childbirth. But he loved her. Jacob is deceived. Maybe you are like me. And I remember uh, some of the first times that I studied through the Bible and read through these verses. I thought, you know, it kind of serves him right that he was deceived in some ways. Genesis 29 and verse 23. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob. And remember, the deal was Rachel. He was to work for Rachel so that he could marry her. But Laban took Leah his daughter and brought her to Jacob, and he went in to her. And Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, It must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give you this one 
also for the service which you will serve with me still another seven years. And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So he gave him his daughter Rachel, his wife also, and Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as a maid. And Jacob also went into Rachel. And he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban still another seven years. Now the way that, that this has been presented in different lessons and, and the way that I understand the wording here is that, that Jacob didn't have to wait another seven years before he received Rachel. But he did have to work another seven years uh, to be able to have her. And, and that was the deal. And that's exactly what he did. This is the first record, I believe, well, maybe one other, but one of the first records of a plural marriage with two or more wives. Jacob's two brides, sisters, were constantly at odds with one another, vying for Jacob's affection and his attention. As we look at, at some of the reasons for conflict, one of them is that Leah is able to bear children and Rachel is not. And it wasn't until Leah had borne Jacob six sons and at least one daughter that Rachel, Rachel is finally granted a pregnancy of her own. In Genesis 30, in verses 22 through 24, Genesis 30 and verse 22, then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. So she called his name Joseph and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. It wasn't necessarily that God had forgotten Rachel, but in this moment in granting her her prayer, he remembered her. He recognized her and her desire for a child. As Jacob flees the presence of Laban with his family, Rachel dies upon their journey, giving birth to another son, Benjamin. The first son that she had was named Joseph, and we'll look at, at him later on. And her second born was Benjamin. But of Jacob's sons, there is something of particular note in Genesis 37. Genesis 37, verses 3 and 4. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also he made him a tunic of many colors but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all, of, all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. It reminds me of the, the relationship that Isaac and Rebekah had with their own children. As we look at Esau and Jacob, Isaac favored Esau more so than Jacob. And Rebekah favored Jacob more so than Esau. Which led to Rebekah helping Jacob to gain the blessing from the father. 
the greatest blessing, the blessing of the firstborn, rather than Esau, which caused a, a great deal of problems. And here as we, we look at Jacob, it, it seems that he followed in the, the same footsteps as his parents, in that he favored one son above all the others. And the other sons knew it. They knew that he was favored. They could tell by, by the coat that he gave him. And we see that there was conflict between the brothers. And this conflict sets the stage for what is to come. We get into the life of Joseph. And we find a great many things happening in Genesis chapter 37 and following. And again, we're not going to, to spend a great deal of time on the details of these chapters, but we'll go through the story. One of the, the greatest memories that I have from Mars Hill several years ago in the teen class, Jeff and I were teaching it together. And I remember um, Jeff had, had gotten the, the idea that, that the kids, they, the teenagers, were really good with art. And it amazed me because they could, could doodle on something and still listen and, and participate in the lesson. And I, I just, I couldn't fathom that. But they did. And so he got them a, a doodle pad of some sort. And, and so they would, would draw and they would write on it. And one of the things that we did with that pad, we studied the life of Joseph. And I believe we spent probably three or four weeks on it. We just graphed out the life of Joseph. And so we would take every good thing that happened and draw a line upward. And every bad thing that would happen, we would draw a line downward. And things would pro progressively get better. And they would get worse. And so we had a, a, a graph of his life. I, I wish we had kept it. But as we look at the life of Joseph, his life was full of ups and downs. And maybe you can recognize that in your own life. Sometimes our lives are full of ups and downs. But how Joseph deals with it is of great importance to our learning. Joseph, again, is favored over all of his other brothers. In the eyes of his father, they are jealous. So they make a plan. And we find that Joseph is sold into slavery in Genesis 37. Let's begin reading at verse 23. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted their eyes and looked. And there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. So they took Joseph's tunic, verse 31, 
killed a kid of the goats and dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? Of course they knew. And they knew Jacob would know also. And he recognized it, verse 33, and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. And Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Part of the conflict was also regarding the dreams that Joseph had had that could only be interpreted as his family serving him someday. It seems callous to me that, that after throwing him in a pit that they would share a meal together. That they would leave him in the pit. And it seems that, that at least a couple of the brothers, they, they had other plans to try to rescue him, to bring him back, or, or to do something other than to kill him. But they all were in agreement that this was a good plan and that this is what they should do. What they didn't plan on was Joseph being blessed. You see, even though he was sold into slavery, there were some good things that happened to him. In Genesis 39, and beginning with verse 1, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house, and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he did not know what he had, what he had except for the bread which he ate. Joseph was blessed in the house of Potiphar. But we also find adversity Joseph is thrown into prison based on false accusations from Potiphar's wife. She accuses him of, of trying to seduce her and, and she is believed. And he is thrown into prison but is blessed there as well. Genesis 39 picking up with verse 20. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. 
and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. Whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Joseph was blessed. Even in prison, Joseph was blessed. Do you see that graph? Do you see those lines? A downward line from when he was thrown into a pit, sold into slavery. An upward line whenever he did well in Potiphar's house. A, a lower line maybe because he was thrown into prison. But an upward line and that he was blessed in his dealings there. So much so that the keeper of the prison didn't have a care in the world. Didn't have a worry. But it's because he knew that Joseph was doing what he expected him to do. Joseph is able to interpret the, the dreams of a chief baker and a chief butler. And Joseph asks the butler to remember him when he is restored. It's a little while before he remembers him, but he does remember him before Pharaoh. Genesis chapter 41 and beginning with verse 9. Genesis 41 and verse 9. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh saying, I remember my faults this day. When Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker, we each had a dream in one night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream, and it came to pass just as he interpreted for us. So it happened. He restored me to my office and he hanged him. And Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. And they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. We see the, the faith of Joseph in, in not taking credit for the interpretation of these dreams. But he told Pharaoh very plainly, It is not in me, but it is in God. And God will interpret your dream. And he did. Because of this, at the command of Pharaoh, we read in verses 37 through 45 of Genesis 41. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. 
Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck and he had him ride in the second chariot which he had and they cried out before him bow the knee so he set him over all the land of Egypt Pharaoh also said to Joseph I am Pharaoh and without your consent no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt and Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath Paneah. I'm glad we remember him as Joseph. And he gave him as a wife, Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. So Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. You see, Pharaoh's dreams showed that there was going to be a, a great famine. There was going to be seven years of plenty. And there was going to be seven years of famine. And Joseph was able to discern. Joseph was able to guide them through these difficult years because of the preparation that he led them through in those first seven years. Joseph judges based on the interpretation of the dreams. In verse 47 of 41, chapter 41, now in the seven plentiful years the ground brought forth abundantly. So he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities. He laid up in every city the food of the fields which surrounded them. Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea until he stopped counting for it was immeasurable. Then the seven years of plenty which were in the land of Egypt ended and the seven years of famine began to come. As Joseph had said, the famine was in all lands. But in all the land of Egypt, there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph. Whatever he says to you, do. The famine was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. And the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. So all the countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe in all lands. Joseph was given wisdom in these matters. The wisdom of God and he led the people of Egypt in this famine. All of these events tie into one another and we see that, that as the course of time plays out, I guess you could say, that Joseph's brothers are forced to buy grain from Egypt for their families. This is in God's plan. And in chapter 42, we pick up reading at verse 6. Chapter 42 and verse 6. Now Joseph was governor over the land. And it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them. But he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. Then he said to them, Where do you come from? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. 
Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them and said to them, You are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. They said to him, No, my lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are all one man's sons. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. But he said to them, No, but you have come to see the nakedness of the land. There's a great deal that happens in the next few chapters of Genesis. Joseph sends them back to Canaan with their money in the mouth of their sacks. They did not know it. With instruction to bring back their brother Benjamin to prove they are not spies. Chapter 42, verses 25 through 38. The brothers convince Jacob that, to allow Benjamin to go with them as they return in chapter 43. And we read that they dine with Joseph and when they leave their money is returned to their sacks. And something else also, Joseph's cup is placed in Benjamin's bag as we read in chapter 44. They are brought back to Joseph who commands that Benjamin will be his slave. But Judah offers himself in Benjamin's place. And in chapter 45, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers and instructs them to return home, bringing back their father to live in Egypt, in the land of Goshen. In chapter 46 of Genesis, beginning with verse 26, all the persons who went with Jacob to Egypt, who came from his body, besides Jacob's sons, wives, were 66 persons in all. And the sons of Joseph who were born to him in Egypt were two persons. All the persons of the house of Jacob who went to Egypt were seventy. Then he sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out before him the way, of Go way to Goshen. And they came to the land of Goshen. So Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. And he presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. And Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die since I have seen your face because you are still alive. Jacob lives a little longer and Joseph makes a vow to Jacob as we read in chapter 47. In verse 27 of chapter 47, So Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions there, and grew and multiplied exceedingly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt seventeen years. So the length of Jacob's life was one hundred and forty-seven years. When the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, Now if I have found favor in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Please do not bury me in Egypt, but let me lie with my fathers. You shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And he said, I will do as you have said. And he said, Swear to me. And he swore to him. So Israel bowed himself on the head of the bed. 
The first few verses of chapter 50, we read that Joseph keeps that vow. And he takes Jacob's body out of Egypt to be buried with his fathers. Before his death, Jacob blesses the sons of Joseph, as we read in chapter 48. Following his death, the brothers are afraid. In Genesis 50, beginning with verse 15, Genesis 50 and verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which he did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father, and Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for, I, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. Now therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph recognized that he was not in the place to take their lives or to exact revenge upon them. He could have, but he didn't. He recognized a commandment that had not yet been officially given. As far as the Ten Commandments are concerned, you shall not murder. But he recognized that it would be wrong for him to do so. Though he was in a position to exact revenge upon his brothers, he instead chose to forgive them of their trespasses against him. Their fear... Their fear is, is likely a, a consequence of their actions. A, a guilty conscience. They fear that because of what they have done to him, that he will do the same. But he does not. Read of Joseph's final words in Genesis 50 and beginning with verse 24. Genesis 50 and verse 24. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old. And they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. But as was the case with Jacob, he didn't wish that he remain in Egypt. And his bones were carried out of Egypt. In Exodus 13 and verse 19, 
And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. He knew. He knew that they weren't going to remain in Egypt. It was a good long while before they were taken out of Egyptian bondage, led by Moses. But when they did, when they left Egypt, they took the bones of Joseph, just as he wished. This is a very quick summary of the things that we read of in Genesis. But there are some valuable lessons that we can learn from those mentioned in this book. Tonight, as we look at, at the things that we have studied, I, I think we can learn a great lesson from Jacob and his marriages. Two wives are not better than one. In Jacob's deception, we have a good example of what goes around comes around. He was deceptive and he was also deceived. But the most valuable lessons learned are from Joseph, at least as far as our study is concerned. We remember that God is with us if we remain faithful to Him. If we remain faithful to His commandments, if we remain faithful to the things that He has told us to do, God will be with us. <clears throat> and Joseph was faithful to God. And even though he faced adversity, God bore him through it and blessed him even in his adversities. I'm reminded of the words of Paul in Romans 8 and 28. And I believe the, the life of Joseph gives life to this verse. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. We may not understand how things work together for our good, but we know that if we remain faithful, that God will truly bless us. Maybe not with riches and, and things of that nature that, that the world promises, but God will bless us as He blessed Joseph. Another great lesson that we learn from Joseph is that of forgiveness. In Matthew 18, verses 21 and 22, Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you, up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. And the lesson learned is, is that we are not to number the times that we forget. But we are to forgive. If someone asks for forgiveness, have such an attitude and character as to forgive them. As we look at Joseph, the trespasses against him were great. Maybe so great that we might look at them and say, how could he ever forgive his brothers for what they did? But he did. He forgave them. Put the past behind them. 
And so we are reminded of this great lesson that is given to us that we also be forgiving. There are other lessons, I'm sure, and maybe things that you, you can think of. But I leave you with these lessons in hopes that, that they are useful to you. We offer the Lord's invitation to you. If you're in need of responding in obedience, maybe you need to come obeying the commands of God. Confessing faith in Christ. Repenting. Being baptized for the remission of your sins. And if you need to come in obedience, then we are certainly glad to assist you in obeying the gospel. Maybe you've not remained faithful. Maybe you need to come back. Maybe you need to repurpose your life, rededicate your life to Him. Or to ask for prayer or for forgiveness. But whatever your need may be, we do certainly give you this opportunity to come as we stand and as we sing.